Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer news, rockin' America. Soccer news, rockin' America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 106 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. Hello! Thank you for greeting the folks, daughter dearest, and welcome to our first ever week in review episode. What can we say between uh, traveling uh, back and forth across the pond of the Isle of Sodor for uh, my new job as the uh, sole international journal for uh, the Sudrik uh, Premier League and Championship, basically everything related to their FA, and due to some family-related, uh, basically, birthday travels. We had a couple of those in our family. It was just too hard to keep up with the research, but... We're going to do the week in review because, gosh darn it, I've done the research and I don't want to see it go to waste. And you know what? We're still going to have a lot of fun, uh, do a lot of uh, kind of a geography nerd, uh, learning about various places, and look at some leagues from all over in the world just a few days later than we normally would. Now, for the uninitiated for the show, what sort of matches is it that we talk about on a weekly basis? Well, only the best, most intriguing matches from everywhere on the globe and we define that a little bit differently than most shows do. Now, yes, we'll be looking at matches, uh, big club matches from big leagues in Europe and here in the U.S. and other places. But we're also going to look at some of the medium size and even smaller countries. If there's a really important matchup, particularly a top two matchup in a league, and more especially as their league seasons get on, it becomes more and more likely to be on our radar. And we're going to look at the club and national team tournament matches as well. Bottom line is, if it's important where it's being played on planet Earth, it's on our radar. I'll be sharing the info. Person noob, she will be hitting you with the results. So let's climb into the, well, not-so-way-back machine and start off with that week's matches with... Match number one! Somebody recently asked me on Twitter, Noob, does every country have an FA Cup final? <laughs> First of all, how weird and uh, strangely exciting to actually be asked a question. Noob, not just a character, is in fact my and our lives here. We're normally the ones asking the questions, but yes, happy to oblige. Somebody uh, noticed that we were doing FA Cups from around the world on our podcast, and I can say yes, just about or perhaps every FIFA-associated country in the world does in fact offer an FA Cup, a knockout tournament, just like they have in England. Well, not quite the same as the famous one in England. That is the gold standard. They dip all the way down to the 10th level of their football pyramid for participants and then obviously go all the way up into the Premier League. They don't delve nearly so deep in places like the United Arab Emirates, but our journey starts last Friday where they were having their FA Cup final. They call it the President's Cup there. The seedings I'm going to give you are from league play and they're maybe a quarter or so of the way into the season, but nevertheless, it was being contested by number seven, Alhwada, and number one league-leading Sharjah Culture Club. And unlike in Europe, where the winner is going to get to go to the Europa League or the Europa Conference League, one of the two lower international club tournaments in Asia, you get a Champions League berth for winning it. I'm unsure if they get to start in the group stage or the playoff round, but either way, this is a big deal, especially for Alwada. Culture Club, Sharjah, yeah, they're expected to be at or near the top of the table all season long. Not necessarily the case for Alwada. This could very easily have been their only shot at earning an international berth. Person noob, tell them how it ended up. Sarja won 0-1. Dad thinks that if Sarja finishes their league in the top two, likely, then the AFC Champions League berth they earned here will go to the league's number three team. Match number B. 
Yes, daughter dearest, and what a lovely idea to review the idea that the phrase number two, yuck, bathroom talk. Join us under revolution to replace that phrase in your life with number B. Listen to it in action right now. Friday, although... Uh, full disclosure, this might have been a Thursday night match instead of Friday night. I found some conflicting information. In any case, it's a match from much closer to home than the UAE. Say hello to the Premier League from the Caribbean island country of St. Kitts and Nevis. They were having their Premier League final, which was a two-legged home-and-away affair. Uh, it's St. Paul's versus Connery, and St. Paul's one leg won, one to nil. Now, person who? How did it turn out for leg two? Was St. Paul's able to hold on to their lead at home? St. Paul's won 5-1. to one. The league champions. Dad's not sure how many teams will move on to the international competition, but St. Paul's will probably be there. Match number three. Saturday, we had to make some hard choices. We know that the USL Championship playoffs are going on and the Liga MX playoffs are going on. That's the second division here in the U.S. and, of course, the top flight in Mexico. They're fairly early on in their playoffs. Tough decisions had to be made because we were only going to do 10 main matches, as always. We will touch base with them next week. The match number three that we went with for Saturday, I think you'll understand why. It's a big old international trophy match. The AFC Cup is having their single leg final. That is not the Asian Champions League. It's the secondary tournament in Asia, and it's not quite the equivalent of the Europa League. Uh, in Europe, all of the leagues, they send teams to all three of the tournaments that are going on over there. Not so in Asia. They've only got two tournaments, the Champions League and this one. And the top seven or eight leagues in Asia don't bother sending anybody to the AFC Cup. This is designed for leagues and their clubs that are from farther down the coefficients. Your matchup was Kuala Lumpur City out of Malaysia. Their top flight is the eighth-ranked league in Asia. So this is your heavy favorite versus a team from the 28th-ranked league is all from Oman, all Sib. Their top flight is called the First Professional League. Person Noob, did we get a massive upset, or did the heavy favorites from Malaysia win? All Sib, 0-3. Big upset. Oman's league isn't nearly as highly rated as Malaysia's, but it's all Sib that win the title and earn a place in next year's AFC Champions League. Match number four. And that was the only Saturday match we were going to cover. Sunday was full of very hard decisions as well. For example, while there were a couple different games that were going to be key, we couldn't decide which just one to cover, but know that the league's race in Argentina was decided. Also, you had the Canadian Premier League semifinals. We'll touch base with that tournament next week as well. And there were top four matchups in Italy and Spain. Hate to not cover those, but we're going to stay a little bit closer at home for match number four, for example, and look at a semifinal from the women's top flight here in the States, the NWSL, where number B from the regular season, Portland Thorns, took on number three, new expansion side, their first year, San Diego Wave. In their very brief series, Portland held a 2-1-1 and record when they were to face off. Portland, they have won two league titles in their history, which is only 10 years old, although in women's football in the U.S. is kind of veteran. Last time they won one was 2017. They've also won the... NWSL Shield, which is the best regular season record two different times. And they won an event called the uh, World International Champions Cup, I believe, WICC last year. It was an invitational uh, that involved uh, four teams from the U.S. and Europe. Really good ones. Uh, last year, they finished number one in the regular season, one of the supporter shield, and then lost in the playoff semifinals. This year, they got a bye because they were one of the top two seeds from the regular season. So this is their first playoff match. They had the number one offense going, and boy, did they find the back of the net with relative ease, 2.33 goals per match. And uh, because of that, along with a pretty good defense, they had the number one goal differential in the league uh, by almost a factor of two. These are your heavy favorites for this match. Uh, second best scorer in the league was Sophia Smith. She also ended up winning the Player of the Year Award in the she scored 14 goals as of this time. Uh, tied for number three in assists for the regular season with five of those, Yasmeen Ryan, their winger. Uh, she started her career in Oklahoma City, strangely enough. And I say that's strange because uh, that league, the WPSL, at least at this point, is not a really high-end developed metal league. It's second or third tier here in the U.S., 
for the NWSL. I think they tend to get more of their players stateside uh, through the college draft. And then they had, in my opinion, uh, one of the two best goalkeepers in the league, Bella Bixby. She had nine clean sheets in the regular season. Now, San Diego, uh, they advanced to this match uh, by beating Chicago Red Stars 2-1. to one. It took them added extra time. High drama. They had a very average offense, uh, despite having number one league scorer Alex Morgan in their fold. She had 15 goals on the year, but they really got it done as a team on defense. They had the second best in that regard, not even allowing one goal per match. In that game against Chicago, by the way, it was Miss Morgan that had uh, the game winner in that added extra time, the 110th minute last round. Uh, they have also got a really top-notch goal Keeper. She starts for the Canadian national team. That is uh, Kaylin Sheridan. Person noob, let us know how that one went. Portland won 2-1. Golden Boot winner Alex Morgan scored first for San Diego. But, but Thornton will play Kansas City current in the league final. Match number five. And now we are turn our attention here stateside to the men's side of the ball where on Sunday they were having a quarterfinal from the Western Conference. Austin FC played host to Dallas. Uh, because Austin is an expansion side only in their second year, it's a very brief series, but Dallas never had lost to Austin. 3-2-0 record, and we'll talk about the hosts first. They are known as the Oaks or the Verdes, Spanish for green. Last year, they finished in second to last place in the West. This year, second in the West. Congratulations to them on quite the turnaround. They advanced to this round by winning in the first round over Real Salt Lake. Uh, 1-1, and then it took penalty kicks where they won 3-1. They had the second best defense or offense rather in the league, scoring almost twice per match. The defense pretty average to be perfectly honest. Will this be a bugaboo this day or down the road? We shall have to see. Their stars tied for second best in the league in scoring, Sebastian Driussi, their attacking midfielder out of Argentina. You can also find him closer than that playing some striker as well. And then tied for second best in assists, one of my favorite players in the league. 22 of those he had, by the way, Diego Fagundes, only because I was sending a text message to the management one day and uh, my iPhone auto-corrected his last name to Fun Goodies. I'm still pushing for that to be his sort of official nickname. Not sure how that's really going. Yeah, I am sure. I don't think it's going well, but I still enjoy it, Amy. Anyway, he uh, plays out of Uruguay. He's an attacking midfielder. Played for uh, the New England Revolution uh, basically from the time he was 16 or 17 for about a decade before moving over here. Um, he represents or represented for Uruguay internationally, but he and his family actually moved to the U.S. at age five. Person noob, I set it up. You knock it down. How did that one go? Austin won 2-1. to one. Star Sebastian Drusi had the game-winning goal. They move on to play Supporters' Shield winners LAFC in the West Semifinal. Match number six. Okay, now admittedly, NWSL, MLS, lots of different podcasts cover that and more in-depth than us, and that's okay. We like to touch base do something for the newer or burgeoning fans of the sport that's just like us, you get the basics right there. Nice little mini preview. But now the other niche that we serve, we travel the world. Say hello to the Premier League out of Tanzania on Sunday. They had a great matchup. By the way, this is the ninth ranked league in all of Africa. If you're in the top 12, you get to send not only your champions, but your runners up to the Champions League. Everybody else sends only one. So maintaining your league spot there up there in the coefficients is really important. The matchup was number B, Young Africans, taking on number one, Simba FC. Uh, Simba at the time, they led Young Africans by two on goal differential, tied on points, high drama once again. Now, uh, Kinondoni MC were also tied with them on points, uh, but these two others, uh, they had three matches in hand on Kinondoni. They're probably not going to be in the league race, although who knows, it is still fairly early in the season. By the way, these are the only two undefeated teams left, and they call this, by the way, the Kariaku Derby. Uh, Kariaku is the name of a ward uh, in the major city of Dar es Salaam. And now Kariaku, that's K-A-R-I-A-K-O-O that they have named this particular award. But it turns out, I found that that's not an African word at all, at least per se. It doesn't have its uh, history or etymology from any African language. Uh, of course, uh, from colonial times, England was there. And this is where they had a bunch of their military station, including a carrier corps. And the way that ended up sort of getting heard and then spoken by the locals was 
carry a coup, and it just sort of stuck. Kind of cool. All right, back to the field. Young Africans, they are known as the Yanga or the Young Boys. Uh, this team was inspired by one political party, the Anti-Colonial Party, to take on their uh, green and yellow co- No, I'm sorry, I misspoke. They inspired a political party, an anti-colonial party, to take on their green and yellow colors. Now, oftentimes politics and football are intermeshed, but it seems like it usually goes the other way around, that the uh, parties are influencing uh, the soccer teams and their affiliations in some fashion. But here's an instance where things went a little bit the other way. Kind of cool. This team plays out of the Jangwani district, not the Karyaku district, oddly enough. It's right next to it, a population of about 15,000 in that ward. This team has won the league title 28 times. That is the most in the nation's history, and they are the defending champions. Uh, They were in the Champions League this year then, of course, but they got knocked out in the first round. Best they ever did internationally was uh, the group stage. They managed that in 1998. And then uh, they made the quarterfinal twice. I should say that's in modern times because they did make the quarterfinal twice uh, in uh, the equivalent of the champ of the Champions League there in 1969 and 70, sort of their halcyon days. This year, a very good defense, but it's their offense that is tied for number one in the league. And they've got two top 10 scorers with three apiece here already fairly early on Faisal Saloum and Fiston Mayeli. Uh, the latter plays out of the Democratic Republic of Congo. And uh, they have 18, by the way, and three national team appearances for their countries, respectively. Teams form, uh, they'd won two straight matches going into this one. And now Simba, they actually do play out of Karyaku. Uh, that ward has about 10,000 people and it's got an incredibly extensive shopping district. That's what it's most famous for. When this club was founded, it was known as Queens, but they changed over to Simba, which if you know the Lion King, of course, or just from some other way, is actually, I believe, Swahili for Lion. Uh, They've had that name changed since 1971. Uh, 2019-20, that season, they had a budget of over $5 million uh, U.S. for their operations, U.S. dollars. That is one of, that makes it one of the richest teams in all of Eastern Africa. So a little bit of your New York Yankees there. Although again, it's the other team that holds the record for actual number of titles. This team has won 22 of those. That's plenty, and they had won four straight until last year. So this is a really heated derby this year. <clears throat> Excuse me. 2020-21, they made the Champions League quarterfinal. That's the tide for the best that they have ever done. Uh, in 2003, they made the group stage, which back then was actually the final eight. So that's kind of sort of in a way, maybe the best they'd ever done as well. Last year, second place in the league. This year, they are the other team that is tied for the number one offense. Uh, These two teams are just so even on paper. Tied for second best in league scoring with four already is Moses Fury. European fans, you would have to have some real in-depth knowledge from African football, perhaps to recognize this guy. He played, uh, I believe, just one season for a Division II team over in Portugal, uh, Sporting Covia. But that's worth mentioning because one of the things we like to do on this show is follow some of these players. Uh, I think he's a fairly young man, and who knows, he could be headed back to Europe someday, in which case they're more familiar with him in Portugal than anywhere else. Team's current form, they had also won two straight going into this match. Daughter Dearest, what was the result for this one? One to one. Young Africans, Stefani Asizki, scored the equalizer in the first half at a time. Other matches have been played since, and Young Africans are now at number one, while Simba have dropped to the third. Match number seven. We were to give you Monday and Tuesday off to rest up from such an outstanding weekend and then get back into it on Wednesday for the seventh match for the group stage of the UEFA Champions League, where there were two matches to go at the time. And the most intriguing matchup to us looked like number one in their group of four, Tottenham Hotspur, boo, our least favorite team here on the show in the entire world. Hey, they named the team after a two-time named historic trader, William the Hotspur Percy. What do you expect? That would be like naming New England's team the Benedict Arnolds. Kind of weird. Anyway, they're taking on number three, Sporting CP out of Portugal. Tottenham at the time, they led Marseille and Sporting CP by one point, and then Frankfurt were only three points back. So you can see that this was probably the most exciting group that they had going. Uh, Tottenham, 
They have won the now Europa League three different times, but haven't taken home that trophy since 1983-84. 2018-19 was perhaps their most famous season. They made the Champions League final. Uh, in this particular group of four, where the top two will get to move on, by the way, to the knockout stage, and then the third place teams, they drop down to the Europa League. Everybody's pretty close statistically. Tottenham is a little bit better on offense, and uh, Sporting from Portugal, they're a little bit better on defense. The 2022-23 Premier League season, that gives us a larger sample size than a group stage to see how they're performing overall. Uh, Tottenham, very well balanced. Um, tied for number three on offense in the league, scoring a couple goals per match. And then a, a top five defense as well, not giving up much over one goal per match. Good for the overall best number three goal differential, for better or for worse from our perspective. Uh, this is a team that's going to be there next year as well. They've got the second best leading scorer right now going, Harry Kane, their superstar, nine goals already. Uh, worth noting that for Manchester City, uh, Erling Haaland, he has almost twice as many goals. Just sensational. Anyway. Uh, their next best player, and somebody I'd like you to keep an eye open for if you uh, had been to watch this game, is Pierre-Emile, I'm going to pronounce it uh, Hoiberg. It might just be Hoiberg, but he's Danish in any case. Plays central midfield, three goals, one assist on the season. Outstanding passer. Uh, has one of the highest uh, dribbling success percentages I've ever seen. He's a little bit underused in that regard, being in the middle of the field. This team tends to push more up the wings. Uh, I think it would be interesting if they let Hoiberg handle the ball just a little bit longer on his possessions. Uh, he's played for other great teams like uh, Southampton there in the Premier League and Bayern Munich in his past and earned 60 national team caps for his own country. Team's current form, uh, heading into this, uh, their 2-0 loss at Men's City snapped a three-match win streak. And now Sporting CP out of Lisbon. We're not big fans of theirs either, but for a little bit lesser reason, although not by much, they are known as the Lions. We boo them as well, because every other team in the world is the Lions. Come on, be original. By the way, uh, this team is considered, uh, there's three big teams in Portugal, and basically this is the third best one historically in the country. 2008-2009, they made the Champions League group stage for the first time. 2011-12, they had their best overall international finish, making the semifinals of the Europa League. Currently in their top flight in Portugal, called the Primeira Liga, they are in fourth place. They trail league leaders uh, Benfica by nine. Uh, the problem has been defense, to be perfectly honest. They're below average in that regard. Uh, they only give up one and a third goals per match, so that's not really terrible, but they're going to have to shore it up if they want to make the Champions League next year. They've got a top five offense. You're getting over two goals per match, but this league is so top-heavy that you've really got to excel, I think, on both sides of the ball to compete for that trophy. Uh, star for them, tied for number one in the league scoring with six, is Pedro Gonsalves, their young attacking midfielder. He's also on the assist leaderboard. He's got four of those. And already, even though he's so young, has a couple of national team caps there for Portugal. Uh, one wonders if he will be there the entire season. Liverpool have had very heavy interest, but Portugal, uh, Sporting are not letting him go easily. And Liverpool so far have been balking at the price. Uh, Manchester United has also expressed some interest in him. Next player, best player they have is another uh, local guy, uh, singularly named uh, Trin Cao. He's 22 years old, plays right wing. He's actually on loan here from Barcelona. So there's no question where he might be moving on to really in a year or two. Although I suppose Barcelona could decide to sell him. He's already got two goals and an assist on the year. Uh, good tackler and passer. So this is a guy who excels on both sides of the ball. Their current form, uh, their win over number five, Casa Pia, snapped a two-match losing streak. So, with so much at stake, person noob, what was the result for this one? One to one. Sporting CP moved up to second place with one match to go in group stage play. Any of the four teams could still finish almost anywhere in the table. Match number eight. Wednesday brought us back closer to home once again for the CONCACAF League final. This particular day was the first leg of the two-match home-and-away series to determine the titleists. Now, a reminder, the CONCACAF League is not the CONCACAF Champions League. This is a feeder tournament with mostly teams from Central America, some from the Caribbean, one from Canada. What's really important to know is that the top six teams from this event do all qualify for the CONCACAF Champions League. So these two teams are already going to be there. We're talking about out of Honduras, 
CD Olympia, and uh, they play host of the first leg to uh, the favorites, LD Alajuelense out of Costa Rica. And that's all we were planning to tell you about this particular match because, uh, first of all, the second leg is going to be next week, and we're definitely going to talk about it then. Don't want to duplicate our efforts too much. But also, this is about the time of uh, show where Noob gets a little bit hungry, and the way that I sate that on top of taking a break and having a little snack is to share usually a recipe with you. We call it our culture break, but it's really a food break. And a very famous food out of Honduras is something called baleada. Now, uh, the area where Olympia is from, that city is not known for really its depth or its quality of uh, restaurants and cuisines, even compared to other Latin American cities. Uh, from what I've read, uh, street vendors all the way up to the high-end restaurants, the food's actually largely the same quality. Uh, also, a side note, burger restaurants are incredibly popular where CD Olympia play. Uh, even compared to other areas in Central America. Now, Baleada, what exactly is that? Uh, well, it's going to be a sort of a quesadilla, if you will. But what you're going to do, you're going to make a smear of, uh, you're going to take a smear of refried red beans, not pinto beans. That's one of the ways that this is different. And uh, by the way, the refried beans, those are not fried twice, I learned. They're just heavily fried the first time. Interesting, funny side note. Um, further south in the country than where Olympia is from, you're more likely to find red kidney beans, actually, than the type they use up in the north. What else goes into it? Well, Montaquilla Blanca is what they use for uh, sort of the creamy portion. Uh, it's a condiment that's got salt and lime juice often mixed in. Uh, basically think kind of a, a, a lime tangy sour cream. That's the consistency you're going to get. And then to offset that texturally, they're going to add uh, queso duro, which is a salty hard cheese. Uh, they use a wheat tortilla to make this. And it sounds absolutely delicious. And it's possible that you could probably get most or all of the ingredients without having to visit an international market grocery store. Not that there's anything wrong with those. I love them, but it just speaks to how easy it would be to make this and try it for yourself. Olympia won 3-2, to two, setting up an awesome second match for the trophy in Costa Rica next week. Match number nine. We head back across the pond for more Champions League action, this time from the women's side of the ball in Europe. Their Champions League is in the group stage, and they're only one match in. The 16 remaining teams have been divided into groups of four. The top two will make the knockout stage. Uh, neither the number three nor number four finishers, by the way, will go anywhere. There is no secondary international tournament over in Europe, at least not yet. While they're only one match in, we still wanted to take a look at Chelsea, of course, out of England, versus Velaznia, the reigning superpower in Albania. Uh, Chelsea, in their first match in this group, they beat PSG. Quite an impressive win. No really big surprise. Velaznia lost to Real Madrid. They're very good in their own country, but they've got to be underdogs most anywhere else in European competition, I would think. Chelsea uh, will certainly be the favorites uh, for this match. They're ranked number six of all the clubs over in Europe. Uh, the WSL, by the way, the Women's Super League, is the number three ranked league in Europe. Chelsea qualified as one of the four league champions in Europe that didn't have to play any qualifying round action at all. They got to start in the group stage, and why not? They are the country's three-time defending champions, and they've won five titles, which is the most in English history. Uh, last year, they made the finals but couldn't quite take home the trophy from Champions League. They play out of Kings Meadow, which is uh, in Kingston-upon-Thames, and uh, where they play, Kingsman was the name of the stadium, and it has a capacity of almost 5,000. They do not play where the Chelsea men happen to play, at least not yet. Here in the 2022-23 season, it's very early on, but they're in third place. Uh, their defense is very good. They only give up one goal per match. They've got a top four offense as well. They're scoring over two goals per match. They will have to maintain that if they want to uh, flirt with their chances of repeating as champions once again. Tied for second best in the league in scoring with three goals already is Fran Kirby, their forward. She's got 60 national team appearances uh, notched to her belt. Teams form, they have won four straight. But now perhaps the team that I wanted to take a look at before they start losing too much and uh, start to fall away from our radar. Velaznia, they play out of a city called Schroeder. Uh, this is the number five size 
uh, city in the country. It's only got 150,000 people. It's in the northwest part. It's not quite on the Adriatic Sea coast, but it's pretty darn close. The city was built on a sprawling uh, plain. It extends from a big lake that's moderately near the coast all the way uh, till the Alps to the Alps. One of the things that this place is best known for is perhaps cigarette production. Somebody who lives in uh, Kentucky, at least currently, I'm not from here originally, I can certainly uh, relate to that, feel a little bit of a connection. This league, their top flight that they're from, the National League of Albania, is ranked just number 19 in all of Europe. And the fact that they're that they're even that high is exclusively due to the success that Velaznia have had. Uh, 12 years ago, it was known as ADA. So they've been around a little while, uh, that's a, a fair bit of history in women's footy turns. They had to start all the way back in the first round final. That means they got a buy from the true first round and then only had to beat one other team to get into the group stage. Uh, they are the nine-time defending champions from their league. This is the first time that they've ever made the group stage in the Champions League, so congratulations to them for that. Uh, three matches into their current league season, they're, they're set to dominate once again. They've scored 19 goals already and have yet to concede one. Uh, last year, my goodness, their goal differential was 162 against two. And yet, believe it or not, they didn't go undefeated. Somebody actually did manage to get a draw with them. Their leading scorer in the league with nine goals already, she's getting three per match, is Megan Dosey. Personoob, how did things turn out for this one? Chelsea won 8-0. to Wow. Anyways, Samantha Kira had half of the goals. Wow. And match number 10, we're done. Finally. Our final match of the main 10 is a Thursday match from UEFA's Europa League, where there are two matches remaining in the group stage. By the way, I recognize that the tertiary tournament of the Europa Conference League is at the exact same point. We will touch base on that one next week, as well as the Europa League and the Champions League. We'll hit all three for episode 107. Uh, two matches remain in the group stage. As I mentioned, the teams that are remaining have been divided into groups of four. They're playing a double round robin. The top two will advance to the knockout round. The number threes, they will drop down to the Europa Conference League. And things in Group F are where the high drama is. All four teams are tied with five points, one, two, and one records. We're going to look at number four in that table, Sturmgratz out of Austria, playing host to number one uh, Dutch side Feyenoord. Uh, Feyenoord currently lead Danish team Mituland by one on goal differential. Uh, then on the other end of things, Sturmgratz, they trailed number three Lazio from Italy, by three. So they're a little bit of a disadvantage, but hey, when you're all tied on points, truly anything is possible. Although Sturmgratz may not feel that way, given how things went when they traveled to Feyenoord for their first match in the group stage, <laughs> the touch team put the hammer down and beat them six to nothing. It'll be really interesting to see if Sturmgratz can come anywhere close to holding serve for this one. Uh, Sturmgratz, they play out of the capital city in the Styrian state, uh, a city of about 300,000. They finished in second place in the Austrian Bundesliga last year, which was good enough to get them into the Champions League to start this year's international season. Uh, they have won three league titles in the past. Uh, last one was 2010-2011. Uh, Europa League is home for them. This is typically where they are appearing, although they've never made it past the group stage. Could they finally get over that hump this time? Uh, by the way, they did enter the Champions League this year at the third qualifying round. Austria, thanks to Salzburg, is a really good league, and uh, Sturmgrass are riding a little bit on the tails of that, to be honest, right now. Um, let's see here. They lost Dynamo uh, Kiev in the Champions League, by the way, and then entered here at the group stage for the Europa League. No one in this particular group is uh, playing really outstanding uh, defense. Uh, so this could be a really big shootout. Another reason that uh, this would have been a fun one to have watched. They got their only win, Sturmgratz, a uh, 1-0 at home over Mituan. Currently in their domestic league, they are in second place. Uh, they've got a pretty average offense when it comes to the good teams in this very high-scoring league. The defense is where they've been excelling. They're number one in that regard, not even giving up a goal per match. And when you're doing better than Red Bull Salzburg in any capacity, that's amazing. Uh, perhaps their best player, Alexander uh, Press, midfielder, just 21 years old. Uh, he's got three assists already. 
and he's been playing with the national team there in Austria at the youth level. I think perhaps our most valuable player, though, is Amadou Dante out of, I can't remember if it's Mali or Malawi. I believe it's Mali, but in any case, he plays mostly left back, some left midfield, just 22 years old. Uh, he's been getting some international uh interest as well, including from uh, Red Bull in New York. So who knows? He might be in MLS uh, by next year. He is a very physical player. Lots of fun to watch. He would do well in any CONCACAF league. 78% tackle rate. Team's current form, they're on an eight-match unbeaten streak. Um, Their last match, they managed to draw Salzburg 1-1 on the road, which is pretty darn impressive. And now Feodord. Uh, They are the number 42 ranked club in all of Europe. Pretty nice. They play out of the city of Rotterdam, which is the second biggest city there. It's in the east, southeast part of the country. Greater metro area, probably about two and a half million. Uh, It's Europe's largest uh, shipping port, uh, though the city... uh, it's very interesting. The city is very uh, long from an east-west standpoint, but they do stretch all the way to the coast. And then uh, the shipping channel, the reason it's such an important port city is because that shipping channel that I believe was uh, almost exclusively or entirely dug manually is 15 miles long. Uh, internationally, they won what is now the Champions League way back in 1970. And they have won what is now called the Europa League twice, most recently 2002, just before uh, what is sort of considered the modern era and the modern formatting for these international tournaments in Europe. Uh, They qualified uh, for this event as the number three finisher last year out of the top flight in the Netherlands called the uh, Eredivisie. Uh, That is the number six ranked league in all of UEFA, by the way. So they got to enter this event at the group stage. Uh, they're scoring three goals a match, but conceding two goals a match in this event. Hence, one of the reasons we're looking for a shootout. In their domestic league currently, they are in third place. Uh, they've got a top five defense. Offense is a fair bit better. Number three, they score two and a half goals per match in that regard. Uh, that is largely at the feet of the singularly named Danilo out of Brazil. Uh, He is their striker, 23 years old. Arsenal and Real Madrid have both been showing some interest in him, but really nothing's come of that yet. Maybe next year. He is awfully young. Team's current form, they are 2-4-0 in their last six. So how did this one turn out, daughter mine? Sturm Grays won 1-0, scoring the lone goal in the 93rd minute. Sturm Grays move up to the second in the table while Fienard fall to the third. Normally at the beginning of every week on Twitter, where my handle is Soccer Noob USA, I throw up the candidate matches for these three uh, unique bonus matches. You vote and dreamy content gets made. It's quite a glorious process. This particular week, because of family birthday-related travel and, of course, uh, my travel back and forth uh, to Sodor for my uh, FA journalistic work there, I simply had to make some decisions on that. We'll hopefully pick that up again with episode 108. I chose for, uh, shoot, five, four, three, two, one, Josh. Sorry, let me try that again. <laughs> five, four, three, two, one. The first of our three bonus matches is a first versus last place matchup from somewhere in the world. We dramatically call the route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, week. Week, week. And the match I selected was a Thursday match from Myanmar's National League. That's just not a place that we've ever gotten to visit, or certainly not very often. This is only the 34th ranked league in all of the AFC. Uh, there's over 50, I believe, uh, countries within the Asian Confederation, so it's pretty similar to Europe. This is a team in the bottom half of the coefficients. Uh, they send one team their champion to the AFC Cup group stage annually, one team to the playoff round as well. And then on the other end of the spectrum, uh, they will either be relegating one or two of their teams. Um, I found some conflicting information on that. Your matchup, though, very much in danger. Number 10, Rakeen United. They are playing host to number one, Shan United. 
Currently, Rakeem trailed number nine, GFA, by nine points in the table. Things are just not looking great for them a little bit over halfway through the season. Shan, meanwhile, they lead number B, Yangon United, by four points. So they've got a nice lead, but not so comfortable that they're not going to come under the road probably and meaning some serious business. When Shan United hosted earlier this season, they won two to nil. Uh, first, Rakeem United. This is a fairly young club founded in 2009, and they are known as the Arakan Warriors. Arakan being a uh, older historical region, not just from this country, but a couple other ones in Southeast Asia. They will be playing host to it in the Y Thar Lee or Y Tar Lee Stadium with a capacity of 7,800. Uh, they play out of the city of Sitway, or actually it's pronounced Saltway, but it looks like Sitway in the Rakhine State, for which their club is named. It's in the western part of the country. city has maybe 200,000 people. And uh, we're a bit of uh, becoming geography uh, nerds here, so to speak. Uh, we'd like to look at lots of different things. This area is famous for uh, being a place that hosts a lot of refugees known as the uh, Rohingya, if I'm getting the pronunciation correctly. Uh, the government considers them by and large to be a Muslim people from Bangladesh uh, that came over this area in British colonial times, and they're one of the most persecuted minorities in the world. So this is just really a fascinating area. Last year, the team finished in sixth place. Uh, this year, they don't have any wins yet. Uh, they're scoring well under one goal per match on average, and the, their defense uh, just about as poor, to be honest. They're giving up uh, right about three per match. Uh, there's a big gap between the bottom three and the rest of the field, so they were sort of doomed from the start, to be honest. Team's current form, well, hey, we always look for a little bit of hope with these teams. And sure enough, they did not lose their last match. They got a 2-2 draw and on the road, no less, against GFA. And it is worth noting that they have uh, one to two matches in hand on most of the teams. I don't think that even if they were to start winning a little bit, they could, they could catch up and get out of the relegation zone, but they do have some hope. And now let's talk about the Mountain Boys of Shan United, another moderately young club founded in 2003, and they only went to professional status in 2015. Uh, they play out of Tanji, the capital. They've made two Champions League appearances, uh, but they've gone out both times in the first preliminary round. Last year, they qualified for the AFC Cup, but then ended up withdrawing. I think that was probably due to political crisis in the country, but take that with a grain of salt. They have won the league title three different times, most recently 2020. This year, they are undefeated, and just like their opponents today, they do also have one to two matches in hand against most of the teams. Uh, surprisingly for a team that's at the very top, uh, their offense is only average for this league. Uh, their defense, though, is sensational. Uh, they only give up a goal basically every other match, and they've got the third best goal differential. Team's current form, uh, they had won two straight going into this one, and all of their recent matches were low scoring. How did this one turn out, daughter? Shan United won 0-2. One more win, and they'll have the league title sewn up. Yes, even for our Week in Review episode, we are going to sing the praises of two teams perfectly mediocre in their home country domestic league. This is another Thursday match that I've selected. We head over to Africa to the Premier League of Somalia. Now, something interesting about the African Confederation, unlike, say, Europe and Asia, they don't even bother to rank all of the leagues. They only do that for maybe 60% of them or so. The other ones just don't have enough teams getting enough international competition, both in tournaments and friendlies, to really warrant being ranked. And this is one of those. Uh, nevertheless, like all the countries in Africa, they do get to send their champion to the Champions League. Uh, three out of the 10 teams from this league will be relegated. Uh, two of them honestly don't seem to even be playing matches, so there will be one more that's actually trying. Uh, and this is the very last match of the season, so these two teams aren't going anywhere. Uh, they're not going to tournaments, not getting relegated. Talking about number three, Hegan taking on number five, Elman. And to be perfectly honest, Hegan wasn't even number three when I first scouted the match. Uh, they trail number one, Gattaca, by two points, and they lead Elman by two points. So they're mathematically still alive. It's not the most meaningless match of the world at this point, but it sure looked that way, again, when I first looked at it maybe a week before. 
Elman, they lead number eight, uh, Jazeera, the last place teams of those actually still playing matches by 16. Uh, there's a big gap between the top five teams in this league and everybody else. So this, these two are sort of two of the uh, worst of the best, if you will. Now, uh, the reason, by the way, that I'm also willing to consider this a most meaningless match is because Hegan is not going to catch up with the titleists. Uh, Gatica, they play host to Jazeera to end the season. They're going to win, and probably emphatically, to be perfectly honest. Nevertheless, let's take a look at Hegan. Until 2013, uh, they were known as the Somali Police FC. Uh, the team is from the Horseed Township in the city of Merka which is in the southwest part of the country. It's about 70 miles southwest of Mogadishu. Give you a little bit of perspective there. Metro area of about half a million. Uh, 2016, uh, this city was famous for being in the news. They got taken over by a Muslim group called Al-Shabaab. I believe that the club name that they changed to, by the way, means dedicated. So that's pretty cool. Hegan. And they play their games in Mogadishu proper. So they, I'm sure they practice uh, where where they are based, but then they travel to probably the main national stadium or the main city season in the uh, stadium in the capital for their league games. In fact, all but one of the clubs actually plays there in the capital. Uh, the name of the stadium that they're in is uh, the Bonadir Stadium that holds 10,000 people. I think FIFA is the bunch, dumping a bunch of money into that right now so they can get that up to specs to maybe host some international competitions, try to build up the game there. Two of the other league teams actually play right at this stadium. Uh, this team has won two league titles in the past, uh, 1967, which was the league's founding year. They were the titleists. And then again, uh, quite a while later, 2014-15. That's quite a gap. Last year, they finished in third place. Uh, this year, the defense has been excellent. The offense is where they've struggled. They give up one and uh, two-thirds of a goal per match. Uh, teams current form, they have won three straight and are unbeaten in their last five. Too little too late to probably make the Champions League, but hey, they get to be in the most meaningless match of the world, as does Elman, who are actually based in Mogadishu proper. They finished in ninth place last year. According to one source I read, they should have been relegated, and yet another one that I found says that they played in the second division last year and got promoted up to this year. So, hey, you know what? You try to find information on Somali soccer that you're sure is going to be accurate. Not the easiest thing in the world, but it sure is fun. The defense there is okay. The offense is where their bread gets buttered. They score two goals per match. They've only got the fifth best goal differential, though. Uh, the top five teams in this league, by the way, just a side note, they all have the same number of losses. So it really came down to who was getting the most draws. As far as the team's current form, well, they just beat seventh place Badbado, nil five on the road, and that snapped a three-match winless streak. So how did this turn out, person noob? Gadika did, in fact, win their last match. Congrats to the champs. Higa won this match one to nothing. Finished in second, which gets them nothing. Sad face. Time for our final match of the week in review. It's another Thursday match, and this is two bottom-feeding cellar dwellers. We always call this the match of... Disappointed! And I should look up and find out how to say that in Spanish, or should have for this particular week, because we're headed to the División Profesional, and for the first time this episode, to South America. Paraguay's top flight specifically. Their league is ranked number three in CONMEBOL, according to a site that I really like to use, Kick Algorithms. The bottom two from this league are going to get relegated, and uh, not the top bottom two finishers from this year necessarily. They actually, like a lot of South American countries, use a multi-year aggregate table to determine who will get sent down annually. Uh, there are three to four matches remaining in this, the second stage or Clausura stage of their 2022 season. Your matchup in the current stage, number 12, Doce de Octubre, and they're playing host to current number eight, Sportivo Amoliano. But make no mistake, these are the two worst teams overall in the league on aggregate table over the last couple of years. When they played earlier this season, it was Amoliano that won 2-0. In their brief series of late, at least, uh, they have both uh, each won a game and had a draw. Uh, Sportivo Amoliano are in a four-way tie 
for second to last place. So don't be fooled by that number eight. They're really pretty atrocious. Uh, Dose de Octubre, they have less than half as many points as anybody else. Doesn't seem like they're even trying. Nevertheless, we will pay them homage of a sort first. They are known as the Weaver Birds, a very unique nickname, credit where it's due. They play out of the city of Itogwa, which is in the southwest part of the country. It's only about 15 miles from the capital city of Asuncion. Uh, this city itself only has about 100,000 people. It's famous for anything. It is known for its lace arts. There is a particular style, no matter what material of la- uh, type of lace you're using. Uh, it's basically, it sort of looks like a flower. It's got overlapping circles or petal-shaped things that move outward from a center. And their crest is really, really elegant and has just a touch of that. I really enjoyed it. The club, by the way, Dosa de October, is named for their country's Columbus Day, not the day of their founding, which is quite often what you see, uh, like, say, with African teams, for example, where the name of the club is a particular calendar date. 1997 was the first time this team ever played in the top flight, despite the fact that they were founded all the way back in 1914. Uh, They've been done... Uh, up and down a bit in recent years. They were promoted, I think, most recently in 2014. They've actually won the title once before. That was the Clausura stage in 2002. So 20th anniversary of that right before they get kicked out of the league again. They've even made two Champions League appearances right around that time, although they went out in the first round both times. In the last complete stage, the Apertura this year, they finished in 12th place, as I'm sure you would have guessed. Worst offense going the league, barely scoring over a half a goal per match on average. Uh, the worst defense as well, one and three quarters games per average uh, per match. It's not a super high scoring league, to be perfectly honest. And they've got the worst goal differential going by two and a half times. So if you're smelling something funny right now, hey, Noob had his monthly shower. You're smelling the fragrance known as... Dose de Octubre, Octubre. I don't know if an echo sound effect would really be for a fragrance commercial. Anyway, that was unplanned. Team's leading scorer, I think he's the only guy that's got multiple goals, and he's got just two. Martin uh, Battaglini, or Battaglini, uh, he's the striker for them out of Argentina. Team's current form, uh, they actually had two straight draws before their last loss, but they haven't won a game since all the way back in mid-September. And now, Emiliano, they have a really interesting nickname. Uh, they're known as La Ve Azulada, or the Bluish V. Now, you might be saying uh, V, why a V? Well, it turns out that they play in the neighborhood of Asuncion called uh, Virgen de Huerto. Uh, so I assume that's where the V comes from. They've got a little bit of that shape on the crest, though it looks a bit more happenstance than anything else, to be honest. By all appearances, so as usual with something from my show along these lines, take it with a grain of salt, but I think this is their first time appearing in Division One, uh, the top flight there. Or if it's not their first, it's been decades upon decades since they played top flight. Uh, the club was founded in 1936. Uh, last stage, they finished in second to last place. Uh, they've made some improvements this particular stage, minor ones. Uh, they've got an only slightly below average offense going, but the defense is still pretty awful. Uh, they've got tied for the fewest draws in the league with only two. If they had actually been able to get over the hump and you know make just a comeback or two, snare a you know, goal or two here or there, you know, who knows? They might have been able to save themselves and not get relegated. But as it looks, that's not going to be the case. Uh, tied for team leading score, the guy I want to mention for them with three on the year is Jorge Sanguina, as he's just 23, 23 years old. So a guy who's doing that well might move on to a better team next year or maybe even an Argentinian or Brazilian team, the big destinations in South America. Team's current form, they won two straight heading into this match. And we would love to know how it turned out, person noob. 12 de October got their first win of the stage, 4 to nothing. but they're still miles in last place. Sporting Emiliano dropped to the ninth in Clasora and are made in the regulation zone overall. Normally, of course, that's where we have Waldorf and Statler chase off the match of disappointed teams as they rightly deserve. But, of course, the match has already happened. And so we instead simply wish you adieu and thank you so much for listening to episode 106 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob, our first episode that was so late we basically had to do it as a week in review. We hope you still had some fun, did some learning, and get ready for our 
basically double length episode with uh, 20 or 21 matches that will be for next week. Episode 107. Thank you very much as always to the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan, the Interno Inferno for all of his creative efforts and inspirations to my daughter, person noob. Great, great job on taking those results in for us this week and your usual countdown duties. And again, thank you to you for listening. Until we catch you again in a few days, hopefully, have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.